And this morning, I want to just kind of give you an outline of Lot's life and see if there's anything in Lot's life that would be applicable to us today as we try to serve God. See if there's any lessons we can learn, cautions we need to take, roadblocks we need to set up. So let us watch and as we learn something today out of these chapters from Lot the Loser. Lot the Loser. Someone told me a long time ago there's three kinds of folks in the world. Winners, quitters, and losers. Three kinds. You know, it's kind of panned out, looks to me like, over these years. We have folk who walk down the aisle and come to the altar and cry a bucket full of tears and get on fire and ready to charge hell with a water pistol. Look at us who've been here all these years saying, if you'll get out of my way, I'll show you what God can do with me. I preach one message on tithing, the suckers quit coming. Quitters. Quitters. Do you know you cannot win a fight against a person who will not quit? You may kill him, but you'll be scared to death all the time you're there. He's going to tear your clothes up. Winners. Losers. Quitters. Let's take a look at a loser, an absolute 10-carat loser. God stuck him right in there for us. Between Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, Lot, the loser. Verse 10 of chapter number 13, the Bible says, And Lot lifted up his eyes. And beheld all the plains of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. Uncle Abraham took Lot to Egypt. And Uncle Abraham brought Lot out of Egypt. But nobody could ever get Egypt out of Lot. Save man, righteous man, according to first, according to Second Peter. And now notice, and Lot chose him all the plains of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from another. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. And Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. A Christian couldn't get his eyes off the world. 
A Christian who was saved could not get the world out of his heart. A Christian who completely made all decisions from the heart and not the head. A Christian who allowed his flesh and his body to dictate to him his lifestyle, his manner of living, and the family values was instilled in his family from Egypt and not Canaan. Lot, the loser. Let's pray. Now, Father, today, for just a moment, please help us to learn from this man who occupies these chapters and these verses we first met earlier in the Ur of Chaldees, and we watched him as he fellowshiped and followed the man of God, Abraham. And Lord, I pray today that we had all learn a lesson from Lot, the loser. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I wondered many, many times about what would ever cause Lot to go the way he did. And I found a verse over the book of Proverbs. The wise man wrote Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 14. It says, the backslider in heart is filled with his own ways. And a good man shall be satisfied from himself. Lot had an eye problem. Not only a visual eye problem, but he had a spiritual eye problem. He was thinking only about Lot. He thought nothing of his family. He thought nothing of God. He thought nothing of his spiritual life. He just had Lot on his mind. Notice, if you would please... He chose that which looks good. And I've noticed over these many, many years that I've been on this earth, everything that looks good uh, is not necessarily good for us. In verse number 10, the Bible said he lifted up his eyes. He saw the Kmart blue light special. He saw what he didn't need, but what he really wanted. He did not see the problem. He saw a promise. And the world always promises us to make us happy, to fulfill our every need, to make us really on top of things. But I tell you, most folks who dive to the bottom of the world comes up with more rocks than they do jewels. I wish I'd have thought of that myself. As far as you know, I did. And you can say, I'm quoting Dr. Wolfenbarger. Here Lot saw a wonderful business opportunity, but it was a bad family decision. How many of you know who's moved out of town for 50 cents an hour raise or a promise of, uh, of a more a promising career, and they moved out of town without one thought of God, the church, or anything else? Lot 
made a business decision, but it was not good for his family. Have you ever noticed that choices have consequences? Before you ask her, think about it. Before you take the plunge, you need to see how deep the water is. Choices have consequences. In every area of life, it makes no difference who we are. And notice, if you would please, I'd just like to give you two or three things in going. In, in the book of uh, Genesis chapter 13, verses 1 through 10, Lot made what the world would call a wise business decision. He chose the well-watered plains. He had cattle, cattle, and grass go together. Cattle and grass equals financial opportunity. He did not want the barren hills. He chose according to the world and made a wise, listen now, listen, wise business decision. I ask you today, are all the world's wise business decisions wise decisions after all? We would commend Lot for making such a decision. We would say, wise Lot, you chose the best, and you deserve the best. And so he made a decision in the eyes of the world that was wise. The second thing Lot did in, in chapter number 13, verse 11 through 12, he surrendered himself, he surrendered himself, he surrendered himself and surrounded himself with worldly influences. The psalmist said, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. How many of us are surrounded with worldly, ungodly influences? All you need is a remote control and a television of any size and you can surround yourself with every kind of wickedness and evil you can imagine. If you can't afford a remote control, you probably have a cell phone. And you're probably on Facebook and Spacebook and my book and your book and everybody else's book when you ought to be in God's book. We have surrounded ourselves, like Lot, with worldly influences, and the worldly influences have rubbed off on us. Of course, you know, you know Sodom and Gomorrah. You know the sin that so easily beset them. You know how that the whole city had accepted that sin. 
We in America are forced to accept the same sin. We don't dare say anything about it. They have lobbyists in Washington. The laws are being set till we cannot say anything concerning the worldly influences that grabbed a hold of the heart of Lot and pulled him out of the will of God and stuck him deep into the sin of homosexuality. We dare not say anything about it. If we say anything about it, they'll be protesting. Well, I'll help them buy their dumb signs, if you'd like. If it was wrong in the book of Genesis, and it was wrong in the book of Romans, and wrong in the book of First and Second Corinthians, it's wrong today. It is a lifestyle labeled by God as an abomination. And because of that sin, God destroys that city and everything about it. How many of us now have moved out of God's will into a place where now we are being influenced by worldly philosophies and worldly theories and worldly ideas. We're living in a world where people love dogs more than they love souls. Lot also, he instilled the wrong values into his family. He moved his kids to Sodom. He brought his wife to Sodom. His kids attended Sodom High School. His wife joined the ladies sewing circle at Sodom. Lot no longer is concerned about cows and sheep and wolves. He's concerned about politics. And so we find him in chapter 19 and verse 1. Watch this. Twenty years have passed since he made his choice. Twenty years have passed since he lifted up his eyes and beheld all the well-watered plains of Jordan. Twenty years have passed. He no longer is pitching his tent toward Sodom. Verse 1 of chapter 19. And there came two angels to Sodom at evening, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, a place of judgment, a place of counsel. Lot has moved from looking at Sodom to living in Sodom. He's gone from listening 
to Sodom to living in Sodom, and now he's one of the city councilmen of Sodom. Sitting in the gate, the Bible said, and Lot seeing them, the two angels, Lot seeing them rose up to meet him, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet. Ye shall rise up early, and go your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. I wonder if Jesus was to visit our home with what's going on in our home and the attitude in our home. And I wonder if maybe he might say, I'd rather spend the night in the street as to live in the, the home of a backslidden Christian who's moved out of the will of God and moved down to Sodom. And he pressed upon them. Greatly, And they turned in unto him and entered into the house. And he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. And before they lay down, uh, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, daddies and sons. And all the people from every quarter... They called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. It's wicked. To know someone? Wicked? These men of Sodom, dads and sons, both old and young, they want to do wicked things to the angels of God. Even a backslidden Christian realized the wickedness of homosexuality. That we may know them. Behold now, behold now, I have two daughters. She's an not-known man, virgins. Daddy Mama's done a pretty good job, look like, in spite of everything. And Lot said, I have two daughters that have not known men. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do you to them as good in your eyes, only under these men do nothing for therefore they came under the shadow of my roof what a wicked wicked man that would bring his virgin daughters and sacrifice them on the altar of worldliness and selfishness and offer those girls to those gaping homosexuals and said, don't touch the man of God, but you can have my daughters 
do as you will. As the commercial would say, we've come a long way, haven't we, baby? I didn't know it'd be so quiet. Choices always have consequences. Notice, if you would please, the choice that Lot made. Genesis 13, verses 10 through 13, we see that he chose the well-watered plains of Jordan, knowing that in that valley was the most wicked and vile city in all the world. He knew, because he pinched, pitched his tent toward Sodom, kept the door open to let the sound of Sodom come in. Kept the door open so that he could see what was going on in Sodom. The Bible says it's a wicked, wicked, ungodly, perverted city. We have a Christian just pitching his tent. You know, at night, showtime, MTV, too rotten for the kids to watch. We'll wait till they go to bed and we'll turn our tent around. And we'll watch and we'll listen to what's going on in Sodom. Oh, yeah, young folk, we'll just try it one time. All of our friends that live in Sodom, they're, they're doing it. Oh, we'll just try. Hey, let me tell you something. Choices has consequences. One night in the backseat of an automobile, nine months later, you're in a delivery ward, forsaken, lost, and your life ranked. If I was one of you pretty girls in my youth department, if a boy tried to kiss me, He'd be kissing through bloody lips the next time. Five of these where he sneezed. Virgin daughters. All because Lot has made a choice. Now the consequences of his choice is about to cost him everything he thought was important. Everything that looked good, God took about five minutes and made it all look bad. Would some of you guys say amen even if you don't believe me? God's choice was by sight. You know why you're in debt up to your ears? You saw it, you liked it, you bought it. You know why some of you guys and some of you girls are miserable in your marriage? 
because you got married by sight. You didn't know one another when you got married. You didn't talk before you got married. You didn't ask her what's going to come off the day after we get married. You didn't ask him about important things in your life. Now all of a sudden, you're in the city and you can't get out. And everything that looked good changed geographically. <laughs> Come on, amen. He chose by sight. Carnally, he chose. Sight walkers always choose by sight. Carnal Christians always chooses by sight. And I hate to say this, but our hearts are always pitched towards Sodom. Well, I know my heart. That's why God said the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Somebody tells me, well, I know my heart. Right then, you, I voted to leave that meeting right then. He chose by sight. We ought to live by faith and not by sight. Can you say amen? We ought to live by faith, not by sight. Notice not only... The choice that he made, look please at the position he occupied in chapter 19 and verse 1, a position of prestige, a position of prominence, a position of power, a Christian who now has become like his company. Well, I'll marry him and I'll get him saved. Why don't you try to get him saved before you marry? You say, well, I'll convince him. Really, try it before you get saved. Because it's an amazing thing to me that uh, we usually let the world rebuff on us instead of allowing, allowing Christianity and the relationship with God to rub off on our friends. I've noticed that if you're saved and you act like it, you won't have long to know who your friends are. You won't have to run them off. You start living for God and stop doing what they're doing, and they'll go off on their own. Notice it, the choice he made. Notice, if you would please, the position that he occupied. Now, if you look at chapter 19... And verse 13, pitched his tent towards Sodom. No longer pitched his tent. He's now moved into Sodom. He's become very prominent and, and uh, in his position in Sodom. And notice, if you would please, the message that he heard. And I, I'm, I need to close because it's five minutes still. Uh, the position, and now notice, the message that he heard. The Bible said in verse 12, And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou any, here any besides son-in-law, thy sons, thy daughters, 
and watch over the Ashes City. Bring them out of this place. Here's the message. For we're going to destroy everything that you put before God. We will destroy this place. How much plainer can you get? How much plainer can you get? We will destroy this place. Well, I wonder how you would interpret that in today's theological termination. We will destroy this place. Well, I need another translation. Hit the road, Jack, because it's all over but the cry. Why is it we have so much trouble with God's simple and plain directions? Why do we have to figure it out? Well, let me see now. How much fire and brimstone will it take to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? I mean, how many truckloads will God have to haul in? And uh, I, I just wonder if it takes that many truckloads and we, uh, it'll take so much time for the trucks to get here. Looks like we've got several more years before they destroy this place. Why is it that we have so much trouble believing what God said? But we do. We live like we are immune from God's Word. Well, he won't do that to me. Look at me. I got chrome belly button. He won't do that to me. I'm special. I've got five toes on my right foot. God will not hurt me or my family. God will bless my sin because everybody else is doing it. So I guess it's not a sin anymore since everybody else is doing it. Since we moved into Sodom and adapted Sodom's theology and theory, if it feels good, do it. God won't mind. Probably God won't even know. Isn't that amazing? The message is plain. Be sure your sins will find you out. They that sow to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. They that sow to the Spirit shall reap life everlasting. Why is it we have so much trouble believing the message and the Bible says that we will destroy this city? It was plain, simple, direct, and urgent. Has the message changed from the New Testament? Did God mean it when Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, Nicodemus, you must be born again? Is that still true today? 
Is it still true that if you want to see heaven, you must be born again? You must be born of the Spirit of God. Jesus said, He that believeth on me is not condemned. But he that believeth not on me is condemned already. Because he hath not believed on the name of the Son of God. Why is it? Maybe it's so hard to believe the message of God while living in Sodom. If we've adapted Sodom's theology and Sodom's attitude and Sodom's uh, sin, why, it might be difficult to believe. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. It might be hard to accept, for God so loved the world, Sodom, that he gave his only begotten son for Sodom, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish in Sodom, but have everlasting life. The choice he made, the position he occupied, the message he heard, could I close the testimony he bore? The angel said, Lot, do you have anybody here besides your sons, your daughters, and your sons-in-laws? Everybody got here. Get them together, buddy. We're going to destroy this place called Sodom. Get them out. Take your family. Go. And Lot went to his sons-in-laws and said, the two angels that I've been spending the evening with have said, he's going to destroy the city we need to get out of here. And the angels stand there and watch as Lot's son-in-laws retorted to him and said, you, you, you're making a joke, old man. Same as one that mocked. It's hard to live in Sodom. hard to live in Sodom and have a testimony for them in Sodom. When I got saved 48, 49, 150, 75 more years than I'd like to even mention, I had a tool and die shop over in Dallas and I learned to be a tool and die maker at Harvey Aluminum out in California. And in that die shop was a big old tall gruff guy that went into the die shop same the time I did. His name was Harper. And for many, many years we worked together, worked together. He was a tremendous tool and die maker. And so when I came to Texas to open a die shop for a firm out of California, I decided that I'd just start my own business. And I hired Harper to be my foreman. He wasn't worth a dime as a foreman. He could make you money on a machine. He couldn't make you one sitting in the office. The night I got saved, 
Harper got saved also that same night. We baptized the same day Central Park Baptist Church over in Farmer's Branch, Texas. And I quit my job, give my business away, and began to work for Republic Aluminum and and they let me be the foreman and the superintendent over the dye shop working the night shift because I was going to seminary during the day. And, of course, I hired Harper because he's a good dye man. Something strange happened to me when I got saved. I just thought everybody was lost and they didn't even know the gospel. And I started winning people to the Lord on the job. Uh, I'd get them in the bathroom where nobody else is around, and I'd shoot the gospel gun. Man, I was getting saved, getting people saved all the time. Went to the bathroom one time, and the commode was running over and had water above my shoe top. And I wanted to go out and guide the Lord and stand right there in the water. I guess he's afraid the water's going deep, deep, so he's going to get out of there before he did. So I had a chance to. I witnessed to him, tried to win him to Christ. Fella, tool dive maker, he was a repairman. He was working on a dive. And Harper said to me, he said, I'm going to go try to win Dale to the Lord. I said, that'd be great, because he'd been seeing me. He went over and told Dale. said, Dale, uh, I, I wonder today, Dale, if you're a Christian, do you know for sure if you died right now, you'd go to heaven? Dale looked at Harper and said, wasn't we in the same bar together last night? Wasn't we drinking the same beer last night? He said, Harper, if you saved, I'm saved. The testimony that he bore. His whole family looked at him as one that mocked. It's hard to win sodomites if you're running with sodomites. It's hard to influence people for Christ if you're living in the world. Choices have consequences. The loss that he suffered, the choice that he made, the position that he bore, the testimony that he bore, the message that he heard, all of it seemed to go in one ear and not out in the other. And sure as the world, what the angel said came to pass. Oh, what a terrible, terrible thing. For a daddy, for a husband, for a Christian to lose their testimony to the extent I read for you. Come, let us make our Father, drink. And we will lie with him that we may preserve seed of our Father. And they made their Father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her Father. And she perceived not when she lay down 
nor when she arose. A godly man that God had blessed with riches beyond description. A wealthy man who walked in the footsteps of the father of the faith is now drunk in bed with his daughter. Not a bad thing in Sodom. That thing goes on all the time in Sodom. All you got to do is turn your television on, just watch all the Sodom you want, and any kind of sexual perversion you can imagine is accepted today in the United States of Sodom. Yeah, they both slept with him. Yeah, they both had babies. And the descendants of those babies are giving Israel and the world a heartbreak like you've never met. And then when the angel said, we're going to destroy the city, he lingered. He lingered. He didn't want to leave Sodom. I mean, he's already lost his wife, committed incest with his daughters. A righteous man, saved man, didn't want to leave. That kind of describes a lot of us, don't it? We can get out of Sodom, but we just can't get Sodom out of us. We can get out of the world on Sunday, but it seems like Monday we got... Go right back to the world and do what they do. There's one thing about lesson I can learn today. The message is plain. Judgment is sure. God's not going to put up with this stuff too much longer. Somebody said if God does not judge America, he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Have you accepted Sodom's philosophy of life? What you do is okay. You can justify it. That's real good. Don't forget Lot, the loser. 